A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You might not have thought that much about North Korea lately, but last month, in South Korea and Japan, alarms sounded. The North was attempting to launch a new satellite. They were spooked by it. The US Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, condemned it. And North Korea's dangerous and destabilizing nuclear and missile programs threaten peace and stability in the region and violate international law. In response, North Korea said the US was letting loose a hackneyed gibberish prompted by its brigandish and abnormal thinking. It was a statement not written by the leader, Kim Jong-un, but by his sister, Kim Yo-jong. It's become more and more obvious in the last few years that of all the people who surround him, all these many generals, civilian cadres, the most important one of all is his younger sister, Kim Yo-jong. She's even being tipped as a future leader. It is understood that Kim Yo-jong is already in charge of the ruling Workers' Party's organization and guidance department, exercising more power than anyone else in the party. Hers is no ordinary tale. Like the country her family has ruled for decades, it is dripping with mystery. It's a story of intense privilege, but also one of isolation and a great deal of emotional pain. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, who actually rules North Korea? The leadership of North Korea and the question of, of who runs that extraordinary country is one of the most important questions in international affairs, international politics today. Richard Lloyd Parry is our man in Tokyo. He's the Times' Asia editor and has been to North Korea many times. North Korea is and remains, I don't think it's an exaggeration to call it the most repressive and impenetrable state in the world. So it's very hard to get hard information out, and it has to be pieced together from various sources. One of those sources is the defectors who, in a, a steady trickle, leave North Korea via other countries. The other thing is there's a class of academics, journalists, and so on, Pyongyang watchers who are skilled and experienced in scrutinizing 
the words of the state media, in looking at the photographs that are put out, and in reading between the lines. And then finally, and not insignificantly, there are the gleanings of spies and intelligence agencies. Of course, most of that information they keep to themselves, but occasionally, for their own reasons, they do make that kind of thing public. Richard, there is a lot we don't know, which is why I guess it's so interesting and intriguing about the court at the top of North Korean life and where decisions are made. What do we know about the current setup, Kim Jong-un and his closest confidants? The questions of who influences him, who advises him, and above all, who might succeed him are extraordinarily important. In some ways, it works well to think of it as a royal court, something like the court of of Henry VIII, or even the advisors and conciliaries and capos around a kind of mafia boss. You know, you have a small number of people very close to the leader who give him advice and counsel and who are also in some ways competing with one another. Now, the remarkable thing about the court of King Kim, of Kim Jong-un, is that so many of the most important people are women. So his foreign minister is a lady called Che Son Hui, who's a very formidable character, a fluent English speaker, a career diplomat, very experienced in international negotiations, who's said by people who've met her, foreign diplomats, to be also a formidable drinker and smoker, quite capable of drinking her colleagues under the table if needed. The head of protocol is another interesting woman called Hyun Song Wall, who for most of her career was a famous pop star, the leader of a big band, and rumour has it, a former girlfriend of Kim Jong-un before he met his current wife. Now, his wife, Ri Sol-ju, is not really a political player, but she's often seen in public with him. That never used to happen under the previous leaders, his father and grandfather, that the women of the leader were very much in the background, never seen or even spoken about. People didn't know their names. And then you have also his daughter, Kim Jue, who seems to be about 11 years old, who just in the last six months or so has emerged very prominently in public. She often accompanies her father to missile launches, military parades. But then above all of these in terms of prominence and I think importance is Kim Yo-jong, his sister, who is in some ways his secretary, in some ways his closest aide, in some ways his spokeswoman, And she is the person in the government who seems to take a lot of responsibility for relations with the outside world and particularly with South Korea. A rousing ovation for Kim Yo-jong, the politically powerful and verbally formidable sister of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Nonsense, childish and the height of absurdity. Her response to Seoul's most recent overture. So, Kim Yo-jong, Kim Jong-un's sister, when did she first appear on the radar of North Korea watchers? When did you first learn of her existence? The first time I saw her, and the first time a lot of people saw her, was in December 2011 at the funeral, the televised funeral, of Kim Jong-un's father, the late Kim Jong-il, 
who was the, the former supreme leader of North Korea. He died rather suddenly of a heart attack. There was this funeral in the cold and in the snow. Kim Jong-un was there carrying the coffin. And at the kind of laying in of the coffin in the mausoleum, there were various people standing around looking very upset. And obviously the ones close to Kim Jong-un were important. And there was a, a young woman there, this tall, rather striking woman with a lean, angular face. Now, at the time, many people, I think most people, even experienced Pyongyang watchers, assumed that she was Kim Jong-un's wife. And it was only months later when she started to appear and became more prominent that we realised that this was the sister, Kim Yo-jong. She shares a mother as well as father with the current leader, Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un's father, had a series of wives and serious mistresses. There were two women he was formally married to at one time, but more important in some ways were his mistresses. And one of these was a woman called Kim Yong-hui. She was a Korean born in Japan. She was a great beauty and a dancer. And Kim Jong-il fell in love with her and established her as his, effectively his wife. And he had three children with her, of whom Kim Jong-un was the second and Kim Yo-jong is the third. And all three of those children were at various points sent to Switzerland to be educated. Kim Jong-un and his sister Kim Yo-jong went to a, a Swiss public school, an international school, but not a private school, where they spent several years under the alias of children of North Korean diplomats. That was the cover they had, and they took on assumed names so that no one would know who they really were. Kim Yo-jong and Kim Jong-un were there as, as brother and sister. It must have been rather an isolating experience for them. They were far from home. They didn't at first speak particularly good English or German. You know, Many people assume that that is the period when they came together and became close and developed this bond. And the other thing that happened during that time was that their mother, Kim Yong-hui, became sick. She had breast cancer, for which she was treated for several years in Europe, but of which she eventually died. So apart from the shared experience of being sent away from home, far away to the other side of the world, and put through this you know, not necessarily very enjoyable school, they had the shared experience of losing their mother when they were both effectively just teenagers. Do we know what she did next? So when her mother died in about 2004, Kim Yo-jong would have been about 17 years old. By that time, she was back in Pyongyang. She'd spent about four years at the Swiss school. She went back to Pyongyang, and there it does become a bit vague. She seems to have gone to university in Pyongyang, some people think she studied computer science, although others don't. And during that period, she may also have found a husband. Now, there isn't firm agreement on this among Pyongyang watchers, but she seems to be married to have had at least one child a few years ago. But we know almost nothing about her husband. It's fair to assume that he's a much less important and significant figure than her. And we do know from that time that her father the then Supreme Leader, he rated her almost above her brothers. There isn't a lot of chat about the family, but one thing we do know is that um, early in the 21st century, Kim Jong-il, the late leader, went on a long train journey through Russia. He was phobic about flying, so he always took the train. And accompanying him was the then Russian ambassador to Pyongyang, 
who you know spent long nights on this rather luxurious sleeper train knocking back the vodkas with Kim Jong-il. And they had a good old chat. And the ambassador very helpfully later wrote a book about this journey through Russia with Kim Jong-il. And he recounts a conversation they had about their kids. And Kim Jong-il reportedly told him that his boys, his sons were blockheads, but his daughter was the very smart one. And we know that she did work for him as a close aide, as a kind of secretary in his last years. And it wouldn't be unreasonable to assume that she learnt quite a lot from him in person then, as it were, at the feet of the master, of the supreme leader. Coming up, childhood tragedy to learning the ropes from her dictator father. How likely is it that Kim Yo-jong could soon take over? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Richard, we've heard about Kim Yo-jong's childhood, how isolated and upsetting that sounds, and how from her father, Kim Jong-il, she had an incredible education in terms of how to run this dictatorship. What happens to her in 2011 when Kim Jong-il, her father, dies? The hearse carrying Kim Jong-il's coffin rolled through Pyongyang's snow-covered streets Wednesday, and the escort, as it was starting its journey, left little doubt who would lead North Korea into the future. His youngest son, Kim He died. Her brother took over. She was seen at the funeral. But it was really a year or so, it was 2012, before she seems to have been put into an important job and the job she still holds in a department of the North Korean government called the Propaganda and Agitation Department. The title of the department tells you everything about it. It's essentially the main kind of communication bureau of the North Korean government and the centre of propaganda. By name, she's deputy. There's an older man who is technically in charge. But I think everyone knows that she is, is the one who has the most power and who calls the shots there. In recent years, state media has referred to her as a central party cadre, indicating her tightening grip on power. The propaganda and agitation department specialise in often very vituperative an insulting rhetoric, much of it directed against South Korea. And that's always been the case. But around 2014, around the time Kim Yo-jong was getting her feet under the table, it became really very nasty indeed. Even by their standards, it was vile stuff. For example, at that time, South Korea's president was a woman, Park Geun-hye. And I remember one of their statements described her as quote, a dirty old prostitute glued to her American master's stinky groin. And the American master they were referring to at the time was Barack Obama, America's first black president. And they used 
really horrible. I mean, explicitly racist terms. An unidentified spokesman told the official Korean Central News Agency, quote, Obama always goes reckless in words and deeds like a monkey in a tropical forest, end quote. I mean, this was bracing and quite shocking, even by the standards of Pyongyang propaganda. And these statements weren't signed by her, but it's fair to assume that she supervised them and was quite aware of what was going out. And some people see her hand in that because she has ever since been someone who has a a very sharp tongue and often the statements which bear her name are particularly biting and acerbic. And yet when we got a closer glimpse of her in 2018 at the Winter Olympics in South Korea when she led the North Korean delegation there, she, well, she looked in charge, but she looked quite graceful and quiet. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it is. That was a, a moment of great excitement, 2018, when she led a delegation to South Korea for the Winter Olympics. A step towards reconciliation. For the first time since the Korean War more than half a century ago, a member of North Korea's ruling family is welcomed in the South. It was the first time she'd been seen outside uh, North Korea. And the South Korean media, who of course are free to report whatever they want, were all over her. The arrival of leader Kim Jong-un's sister is fascinating many South Koreans. Kim Yo-jung has quickly become a power broker. Every detail of her dress, her behavior, her carriage was scrutinized and analyzed. And I think it's fair to say that whatever she'd been saying in these horrible statements, she demonstrated at that time that she was quite capable of charm and of getting on with people. But the way she did it was very noticeable. People say that she was a dancer when she was younger. She practiced dance quite seriously. And she has this rather graceful, rather restrained way of carrying herself. She's quite tall as well. And she tends to almost literally look down her nose at the people she's talking to. So it's a strange mixture of kind of refinement and politeness, but also a very palpable area of superiority, almost condescension to the South Koreans that she was talking to. Very intriguing. It made a very big impression during that visit. in Japan for the G20. We came over and I said, hey, I'm over here. I want to call up Chairman Kim. And we got to meet and uh, stepping across that line was a great honour. A lot of progress has been made. And then, of course, the other glimpse were those very closely watched talks between Donald Trump and her brother, Kim Jong-un. What was her role in that? What could we glean about her and her influence from how she appeared there? Her visit to Seoul and her attendance at the Winter Olympics led directly to summit meetings, first of all, between Kim Jong-un and the South Korean president, Moon Jae-in, and then to those remarkable meetings between Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump. And Kim Yo-jong was very much present at both of those. She was in the background. There were cameras taking pictures of Kim and Trump. And she was in the line of the shot. And she obviously didn't want to be there. So she sort of hid herself behind a tree and was seen peeping out. But she was the one who 
when the two leaders signed their communique, she presented the document to her brother and gave him the pen so that he could sign it. The person who did that for Trump, to give you an idea, was Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State. In the the second summit meeting they had, which was in Hanoi in Vietnam, they travelled there by train. I think it was like a three or four day train journey, a very long way. And on the train journey, they were glimpsed at one point by a, a photographer taking a break and standing outside the train. And Kim Jong-un was having a fag. He's a big smoker. And she was standing by him holding an ashtray for him. And people thought at the time, well, that's a rather um, subservient thing for an important official as she was to be doing. But then someone said to me, no, but the thing about that was that that was clever. She was collecting the, the fag ends, you know, not just to avoid leaving litter behind, but to prevent any foreign intelligence agencies from getting hold of the cigarette butts and analysing the Kim DNA in the residues of saliva on that cigarette end. A South Korean expert on North Korea said to me once, what you have to understand is that in in the Korean mafia, in the the gangster world, the, the person closest to the gangster boss is his driver. The guy who drives the car is also his closest aide, his most trusted aide, whom he trusts implicitly who picks up his cigarette ends. Those summits and meetings, in the end, came to nothing. We just left Chairman Kim. We had a really, uh, I think, a very productive time. It was a very interesting two days. And I think, actually, it was a very productive two days, but sometimes you have to walk. Did they have, actually, any implications for her? We've heard in the past people being you know, just demoted or or purged for perceived failures on a whim. Yes, the second summit went quite badly for Kim. Trump walked away from it. He was making unrealistic demands. Basically, uh, they wanted the sanctions lifted in their entirety, and we couldn't do that. Kim had obviously been expecting that he would get some kind of deal, and it was a bit of an embarrassment when he had to go home empty-handed. And for several months after that, people in the leadership lay low, including Kim Jong-un himself. He wasn't seen very much. And Kim Yo-jong also disappeared from view. There were rumours that there had been purges of some of the officials, that he'd taken out his frustration on people by sacking them or sending them away. But Kim Yo-jong had clearly not been purged. And within a few months, she was back And by now, she is front and centre and more prominent and clearly influential than ever. South Korea says North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un's sister is now effectively the second most powerful person in the country. She's very visible even now. She still has this role as a kind of secretary, but a very powerful one. Someone pointed out to me once that if you look at footage of these big set-piece occasions like the military parades where the leadership are all lined up in the viewing box on the podium. There'll, of course, be Kim Jong-un in the middle. And then the people close to him are ranked in in order of importance. And Kim Yo-jong, his sister, she doesn't sit down close to him. She'll be moving around. She'll be behind the scenes, darting to and fro, obviously checking that everything's going well, liaising between 
people, coordinating, making sure the whole thing is running smoothly. And that is a sign of her power. Richard, there's lots of interest in it and what might happen after Kim Jong-un, who might take over. But what lessons have we got looking backwards on that front? Take us through the dynasty, because it's been bloke, bloke, bloke. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing. It's a hereditary communist dynasty. There's never been another like it in the world. But it has always worked on the principle of male heredity. North Korea was founded after the Second World War by Kim Il-sung, who is the grandfather of Kim Jong-un. On his death, his son, Kim Jong-il, took over, and then Kim Jong-un took over from him. And I think, until quite recently, many North Korea watchers would have assumed that this was a, a strict principle that could not be violated. Korea is still, even now, and especially North Korea, a patriarchal society where, by and large, women are expected to take care of domestic tasks and the serious business of war and politics and so on is left to men. But Kim Jong-un clearly doesn't feel that way. He has surrounded himself with women. Another North Korea watcher once described him to me as a feminist, which sounds like a strange term to apply to a man who's you know, a notorious violator of human rights. But what he meant by that is that Kim Jong-un clearly regards women as just as capable of doing a good job as men. And that is perhaps one definition of feminism, that when it comes to running a, a cruel dictatorship and repressing the rights of the people, women, in his view, are just as good at it as men. Because what's interesting is that if it's not his sister, Yo Jong, the other option, it's thought, could be his daughter. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is again sharing the spotlight with his young daughter. The public appearance is the latest fueling speculation that the leader is grooming his daughter for succession. Yes, his daughter, who we think is called Kim Jue, surfaced at the end of last year, very unexpectedly, and we'd never seen her before. It all started when she first appeared hand-in-hand with Dad, inspecting the missile, and then at the launch. And since then, she's been seen a lot. She's been photographed and, and reported as being by her father's side at over a dozen occasions since then. So the question is, you know, what's that about? What's going on? Some people say, well, he's not necessarily intending to anoint her as his successor, he may just be establishing the principle and the idea that it will be another Kim who takes over, although not necessarily her. But there must be a reason why she's been put forward, because we know she has a slightly older brother. He's still not old, but he's a teenager. And there's a younger sibling as well somewhere. But yet the middle child and the girl has been presented. So it's looking more and more as if she is being lined up as the heir. But either way, she's very young at the moment. She's too young. Kim Jong-un is not an old man. He's around 40. But he's clearly not in great health. He is very overweight. He drinks and he smokes. There are reports that he may have serious chronic illness like diabetes or gout. And both his father and his grandfather 
died of heart attacks. So there are plenty of reasons for worrying about his longevity. It wouldn't be entirely a surprise if he was to be debilitated at some point by ill health. And if that happened, Kim Jouet at 11 years old really couldn't do the job. So he would need a, a regent, someone who could hold the fort until she was mature. And that seems to be the role of Kim Yo-jong. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, Asia editor for The Times, Richard Lloyd Parry. If you're a subscriber, you can read Richard's long read about Kim Yo-jong, if you fancy, as well as his regular reports on North Korea, South Korea, Japan, and the rest at thetimes.co.uk. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please leave us a review, preferably a nice one. It helps other people find us. See you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.